Welcome to Living a Better Life podcast with your host, Madeline Golick. This is a weekly podcast exploring a variety of topics on how you can live a better life, not just physically, but in all aspects of what it means to be human living in a modern world. This podcast is for entertainment purposes only and should not replace professional or medical advice. This podcast is sponsored by Ecophysiotherapy, where their mission is to educate, empower, and rehabilitate you back to health. Without further ado, please enjoy the show. Welcome back to our wonderful listeners. So today on the podcast, we are going to go on a personal journey of an individual who is sort of experiencing pelvic pain. I We've done several podcasts uh, up until now where I've interviewed the practitioners themselves and how they address pelvic pain. But I think it's also helpful to hear from the person who's actually going through that journey um, so that both as practitioners and individuals who are experiencing pelvic pain can kind of get a different perspective. So I'm really excited to welcome Michelle to our show. Hi, Madeline. Thanks for having me. Yeah, I'm really looking forward to having this, um, you know, this discussion, because I think, you know, as practitioners, like we learn things and we learn theories and treatment approaches and, you know, learn about different strategies. And I think sometimes it could be helpful for the practitioners to kind of take a look at and hear from the person who's actually going through the experience and how they perceive their treatments and the various approaches. So I think it's helpful on both ends. And I am looking forward to kind of hearing about your experience. Absolutely. Um, And I'm sure we're going to talk about this well into (laughs) this podcast, but um, working with your physical therapist and really opening up and sharing your personal journey will help sort of excel you uh, into the best treatment plan possible for you. But I'm sure we'll discuss more about that. uh, Absolutely. Yeah. So Michelle, maybe, maybe you can start off by kind of telling us like where your, where your journey sort of began. Um, Tell us a little bit about you, where your journey began, and uh, then we'll kind of dive a little deeper. Okay. So I started uh, dealing and living with pelvic pain after a tobogganing incident. Uh, When I was around eight years old, I fell on my tailbone and my sacrum pretty hard. And unfortunately, it never fully healed. Um, the doctors, uh, explained to me that the, the pain's probably there. It'll go away with time. Um, and it never really went away. Um, and it was just something I adapted to. And then I got into my teenage years and painful periods started to happen at puberty. Um, and then the cycle of recurrent UTIs as well as recurrent, um, Uh, yeast infections. So that cycle continuously happened for about a decade. Um, Doctors were unable to tell me what was wrong, why I was getting recurrent infections, why I was dealing with the pain I was feeling. I was getting dismissed constantly. Um, And I was really struggling to find answers. And um, I live just outside of Toronto, Canada. So I am in an area that uh, has wealth of knowledge with doctors and practitioners um, at my disposal, but I wasn't getting anywhere. Um, So through my 20s, um, it got to the point where I sought out a naturopath to try to help me. 
because Western medicine was sort of failing me. I was on a constant loop of antibiotics uh, for my for uh, UTIs, which then led to more uh, yeast infections. And she was actually able to curb my uh, amount of UTIs, which really helped. It didn't um, take them away completely, but it allowed me to push through my life, get through my education, start my career. Um, and then unfortunately in 2008, 2018, I believe, is when I uh, got a UTI for the first time in over a year, which was heavenly. If uh, your listeners, if they also deal with recurrent UTIs, uh, having that nice break in between uh, is refreshing. So unfortunately, I had a UTI that was triggered by intimacy. And uh, I treated it with antibiotics, but my symptoms never went away. Mm. And the symptoms actually felt a little bit stronger. It felt like my usual UTI, but a little extra kick. Um, and it feels as if um, somebody is sticking uh, a knife, unfortunately, up my urethra and vagina at the same time. So um, at that point, I was 28. And I began to advocate for myself. Uh, and Long story short, uh, I'm still on this journey to find pain relief, but uh, within the last three years, I've received diagnosis of interstitial cystitis, also known as bladder pain syndrome, uh, endometriosis, uh, as well as severe pelvic floor dysfunction. Um, so I am also uh, working with my healthcare team now because they have noticed that I have uh, cysts on my sacrum called Tarlov cysts and potentially my specialists now are thinking it may have occurred when I was eight years old the impact from that fall and where those cysts lie it's where the nerve roots uh, go through the sacrum so this could potentially be a big um, main cause of my pelvic pain that I've been dealing with for over 15 years now. So I'm still on this journey, uh, trying to figure out uh, what's going on exactly and the best treatment plan for me. Um, yeah, so it's it's been quite the journey and lots of challenges along the way. Um, I wanted to ask, you know, when the when this all kind of like started in the teens, early, early twenties, you know, you sort of mentioned kind of, you felt like you weren't getting anywhere, um, felt sort of dismissed. Were there any other kind of early challenges that you were experiencing when this first all started? Um, I would say, yes, the dismissal, but because pelvic pain is so personal, Mm. Um, like my, I felt like my character was being, um, a lack of better term thrown under the bus because I was being told, I think by every practitioner I saw at that point, you need to wipe front to back. You need to shower before and after intimacy. And I was doing all of that plus more. And the doctors, it, it was always, the blame was on me, which Yes, physically, I know now something is wrong, 
but they weren't helping me find that solution or get there. Um, and that was probably one of the, the biggest challenges was being uh, listened to and understood and not just pushed out the door saying, here's another prescription, lots of women deal with this pain. Um, and it's just, yeah, the, that was the main challenge because I feel if I found a practitioner who looked a little bit deeper, understood the pelvic floor and all of that, um, I don't think I would be where I am today. Yeah, I think certainly, you know, listening to the story and then listening deeper to, you know, one of the things I certainly personally in my practice try to do is sort of ask like, you know, how is this impacting you? What are the things you've tried right? You know, what's, what's working, what's not working, you know, like trying to kind of get a bigger picture of where you're sort of at, but I can totally understand um, that it's not necessarily helpful. And in fact, probably from a physiological perspective, based on what I know about safety, like if you feel like you're the person doing something wrong, that I'm doing something wrong, I'm not doing enough or I'm not doing something, that also is going to stimulate a stress response, which is not helpful. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I, looking back, I've always been an anxious person and I've been a functional anxious person, I would say. And I really do feel that this played a big role, big role in who I have become because of that response, like you were, you were discussing. Yeah. And certainly, you know, I think, and I'm sure we'll get into this, why it's so, why language does matter, you know? And of course, you know, as a practitioner, like, and healthcare providers, certainly um, we're human. We don't always use the right semantics and the right words, but being able to reflect and be like, oh, you know, I actually meant to say this. Cause you know, sometimes there's like old programming and sometimes we're taught a certain way, but I think seeing an effort from that therapist or from that practitioner to try to use more positive based language and and not just pull out your prescription pad that is what I feel my whole every doctor I saw was just okay these are your symptoms okay here rip it off try that Um, I would talk about painful intercourse I would talk about pain in different areas and they just would say oh try this numbing cream, try this prescription, try this. It was always like a band-aid solution. It was never trying to get to the root cause of why I was feeling this way. And it also really shocked me because um, my mother uh, has autoimmune conditions like lupus uh, and arthritis. So it, it runs in my blood on like uh, medical conditions, autoimmune conditions. And it's just something I, I, I'm shocked that I've no, I wasn't looked at further or looked at deeper in my earlier years, but I guess uh, they see a young woman um, beginning sexually active. They, they make an assumption, which unfortunately it, it, it is wrong, probably 99% of the time for most patients. And uh, it's just something um, 
I feel the, the communication between the practitioner and the patient, it, it needs to be better. And I feel that's where it was lacking in the care. Um, it was just, okay, here's a quick answer or a quick solution, not let's try to figure this out and why these UTIs keep happening. And that's, I learned that when I was 28 years old. So over 10 years of battling 15, yeah, 10 to 15 years of battling chronic UTIs. And now I know my pelvic floor was playing a big role in that. So I wanted to ask, you know, because you've sort of been navigating practitioners and a variety of different doctors um, for a period of time, have you seen any shifts happening like in the medical kind of system, like as you go from specialists, are you seeing that they're becoming a little more aware or trying, like, are they trying to be a little more open perhaps now than they were 15 years ago, or is it really individualistic? I feel the shift is happening. Um, I'd say within the last 10 years, especially, um, I was uh, sent to a specific pelvic pain program at a local university here in Hamilton, Ontario, McMaster University. And it was the first program I actually have seen or heard of that my doctor, he looked it up online and he's like, I think this will help you. And that was just amazing to see that there was a pain clinic specifically looking to help people with pelvic pain. That was something I was searching for my whole life. Ever since the internet came out, I was trying to find answers. And now actually seeing that there is this shift taking place, not just with pelvic floor health, but just pelvic health in general, more education. There's more community online that I think our voices are being heard more uh, in the media, which is great. And also, this might be a little pushing it a little too far, but that Me Too movement, I know pelvic pain um, affects everybody, uh, male, female, transgender, everybody. Uh, But I do feel that women are feeling more confident speaking up about these issues and noticing that they're not getting the care that they deserve um, from their their healthcare team. So I, I do feel in Canada, especially, Um, there is a shift happening. And I have recently heard that a new pelvic pain program is happening at another uh, hospital in Toronto. So the it's they're opening up in major cities. And I think that's incredible. And that's something that is just going to keep improving as we get the word out that there are answers and there are solutions. I personally am not there yet. I don't have my my uh, answer to my pain or the pain relief that I need to get on with my life. But I've spoken to so many people that it's possible. There are it, I've heard success stories, and um, yeah, I, I do feel that there is a shift happening for sure. Which is which is good. And I wanted to ask, you know, from the perspective, obviously, uh, you know, of the person you going through this, right? Because, you know, I obviously like, you know, I, I was at the International Pelvic Pain Annual Conference last year, and you're seeing a lot of different physicians, surgeons, um, you know, pelvic um, physical therapists, a psychologist, a variety of different practitioners coming in and trying to, you know, better understand 
pelvic pain, persistent pain. And there's definitely a lot more discussion centered around biopsychosocial. Absolutely. Um, which is something I, I learned about, which is I had no idea. When I think of pain, you think of, okay, it's pain is pain. You take a medication and it stops. I learning the psychology and knowing that there are these neural pathways that are being created in your brain and just learning the science behind chronic pain, I feel helps somebody living in chronic pain. It moves them a step further. It, it gives them, it allows them to grasp on to something that they didn't have before because a lot of people say, Oh, it's in your head because technically is it's pain is made in the brain um and it but but it's it goes back to the doctors not explaining themselves and I feel it's the doctor's duty or the practitioner's duty to help the patient understand what's going on in their body and or make the right referral to an individual who can right and so you know and obviously I am seeing more often like I'm or I'm becoming more aware of like different you know OBs and neurogynecologists who are kind of developing their own pain clinics where they're working with these individuals and you know um, I imagine that they're taking a sort of wider lens Um, yes there may be a prescription pad because sometimes for some people those things are helpful part of the process they're just not the entire process exactly and that's like where I feel the complexity and like the interdisciplinary approach to chronic pelvic pain is like really needed and the easiest way that I visualize it I'm a graphic designer so I I I like to visualize things I see it as a Rubik's cube and how like every color is like reflects the treatment of some sort. So like red could be pelvic floor physical therapy, yellow could be medication, pain medication, psychotherapy, diet, pain education. There's all of these uh, contributing factors that have to align and everybody's body is so different. Mm. And you're just trying to find the solution for you. And what works for me might not work for the next person, but it's working with that team of practitioners. Um, like you said, like they are developing these teams and I'm actually lucky enough. I think I, I'm in the right spot right now at a Toronto hospital where they are focusing on pelvic pain and they have a team of uh, pelvic nerve specialists. They have uh, dietitians, nutritionists, psychotherapy, and, um, yeah. So th- what was the, I forgot what we were talking about. I, uh, the interdisciplinary, I guess, approach yeah, to yeah. pain and how there's it would, there no way they're realizing, I feel that with the more research that they're doing, there's more science and research that points that it's not just the one issue. It's not just the endometriosis that's causing the pain or the IC and the bladder pain there's a whole other, there's other components as well that need to be addressed in order to get that person, um, that quality of life back. Absolutely. Yeah. And, you know, I I think that's really just good distinction. I actually like that visual because then it's like, okay. And, And it ties back into what we were saying about having that conversation between the practitioner and the patient being like, okay, well, what is working for you currently? How can we expand on that? What's not working? How can we 
um, you know, try something sort of different. And I, and I think certainly as a healthcare provider, when working with pelvic pain, you know, there has to be a willingness to be flexible, a willingness to be curious um, and learn and also accepting that the client is the one also teaching us too, right? Like it's like working together to like solve this puzzle because you're right. It is individualistic. I mean, we have ideas about, okay, well, you know, stretching. Okay. Well, stretching can take physical stretching, manual stretching, like all, you know, we have a concept of releasing and there's different ways to do it. Um, So that's where that communication, it's like, Hey, we're going to try this. Let's see you know, how your body responds to it. And if not, we're going to try something else. Exactly. And it's also on the patient too, is expectations. I've realized going in, a doctor is only human. Um, it, it's when you advocate for yourself, people assume that you are just trying to find that right doctor who's going to give you the answer. But it's when you find that good doctor who's willing to take the time to understand and listen to you, it's, that's when they turn into a great doctor uh, because you, you are in control of your health. You are the only person that's in total control of your health. And if you have that good team to back you up and guide you in the right direction, um, that's when you can use their education and their skills that they went to school, those hard, hard years of school, and they, you can use it to your benefit and help you get your life back. Um, And that's, I really hope uh, your listeners, um, if they are trying to uh, advocate for themselves that speaking up and knowing that and accepting that your doctors don't know everything and bringing the information you are learning to the table. If they aren't willing to listen, they aren't the right doctor for you personally. That's my own opinion. Um, So far uh, opening up to my doctors and sharing the information that I've learned, they've been really receptive. um, And that's how I feel. I know I've, I've found a good, um, a good spot with my healthcare team. And that leads me kind of into my next question is like, who, who's currently like, who are the, who are the main kind of um, clinicians or healthcare providers that like are part of your team right now? Like who are your go-tos in your current care journey? Okay. Um, So it's taken about three years, but right now I have um, a pelvic floor physical therapist uh, urogynecologist who is also a pelvic nerve specialist. Canada actually brought him in from Brazil um, specifically it, for pelvic nerve. Is it Dr. Lemos? It is Dr. Okay. Lemos. Yeah. I met Dr. Lemos at the International Pelvic Pain Annual oh, Conference. Yeah. yeah, yeah, I met, yeah, yeah. And he, anyway. I'm assuming he presented as well. He did, yes, yes. Uh, I think he was presenting, uh, it, it was very endometriosis um, focused um, last year, like a lot of topics centered around endometriosis. But yeah, he was, okay. uh, I think he was showing some surgical yes, approaches and things. Yeah. A pair, so um, unfortunately, he believes I might need another surgery, and he is the only doctor in Canada who can perform that surgery. So I feel I'm in, I'm in the right hands. Uh, so he is a urogynecologist. Mm-hmm. Um, I also have my urologist. However, he's not fully in my care anymore. Um, he's there for prescriptions. Um, I also have a pain specialist because I also take pain medication. Um, and a rheumatologist because um, I'm also um, 
have lupus as well. Mm-hmm. So that's a, another uh, health condition that I'm, I'm currently um, trying to manage as well. Um, and so right now they're working together. So, and I feel um, I had to sort of bridge that gap. So I took the time to speak with my physical therapist and said, would you be able to write a report explaining which muscles are causing me the most issue? Like give them, give this doctor a better understanding. Cause when you go into your appointment, I don't have the right terms mm. to explain what areas are causing me the most issues. And I was able to show Dr. Limos uh, the report and he was able to get a better picture as to what's going on based on my symptoms and what the pelvic uh, physical therapist was discussing. So um, they're working together. There they're actually will be phone calls between certain specialists, but it's, it's, I feel like once you find the one doctor that, so like, for example, the urogynecologist, they team up with like-minded doctors within that field. So um, you might start off with a PT. They might say, hey, we know we have heard of this gynecologist, urogynecologist. And then you can start doing your research. And that's where I started is I went online. I went on forums. I went on Facebook groups. And I wrote down the top surgeons, the top doctors within the greater Toronto area and went to my family doctor and started the process of trying to get a referral in because as you know, referrals here in Canada can take quite a long time, especially with very specialized doctors. So um, yeah, these, it's been a three-year process, but um, it's getting there. And I do feel um, that right now, having a urogynecologist, a pelvic PT, a pain specialist are right now most important in my journey. In your journey. Um, if somebody like looking back at your sort of process in your journey, if somebody's like starting to experience pelvic symptoms, or maybe they're starting to have recurring UTIs, or maybe, um, starting to develop some chronic or some pelvic pain, sorry, like, do you have any tips or like anywhere that you would suggest for them to like start? Um, online. That's actually where I started on like, I know many doctors don't like hearing Dr. Google, but trying to find a community. Um, I was in excruciating pain on the toilet with my laptop in front of me. I remember just looking at Facebook groups and talking to other people within my area, asking for the right doctors um, and tips and tricks. Um, For IC specifically in bladder pain syndrome, I got a lot of my information from the IC network. So Jill Osborne, she runs the ICN. And that's actually where I started most of my information because it was most of the the most reliable resource that I was able to uh, attain online. And once I opened that website, I was like, yes, this is definitely what's happening um, to me. So that's where I started Facebook groups, social media, um, Instagram is a good place to start. um, If you want to connect with others who are going through your same journey um, as you, um, And also speaking up, the only way um, 
to be heard is to speak uh, your truth and telling your doctors the embarrassing symptoms you have um, and not staying silent and just not letting it go. I just, I want people to find, like shorten their journeys uh, a lot more, a lot shorter than what mine was. Like it's, it's taken way too long for me to get these answers. And I just want to be able to help others. And so if any, if anything, a tip would be is advocating by, for yourself by speaking up and going online and accumulating, looking for those scientific journals, not just taking someone's comment on a post, but actually looking a little bit deeper and asking those questions and finding those accounts that like yourself, you have a great Instagram account where you talk about your physical therapy um, clinic. So reaching out to different individuals um, and talking about it more is uh, something is a good pl- is a good place to start. Can I, I'd like to know, because I think as um, healthcare providers, sometimes what we become concerned about with like Google and and forums is obviously because there's a lot of bad information yeah. out there. So good and that you scary. guys. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I guess my, so this it's kind of centered around the scary and the negative piece. Um, like how have, have you encountered a lot of negativity and like scariness in, in the Facebook groups. And like, I'm just yeah. curious. That's cause that's one of the things, cause we know there's no SIBO, right. Mm-hmm. Which is the opposite of placebo um, yeah. that like hearing big, scary information and hearing, you know, not, you know, not always the most positive things can also make things really scary for people. So, you know, one thing I get concerned about is, you know, when people are on forums, I'm like, how much negativity is there? Or is there like a hopefulness positivity to it? So I, I just, I'm curious as to, cause I've never been on the forums myself, so I don't want to make assumptions. Yeah. So yeah, when I started on the Facebook groups, um, I was joining a bunch of them and it, that's what you do with you're desperate. You're trying to find answers and uh, within a week, few weeks and a month, I had to actually unfollow and remove myself from these groups because of that negativity that I was seeing. Um, there was just a lot of negative information, false information, um, just floating around. Uh, it, I feel if you are educated and uh, you, you know, you can sift through the, the pieces of information that aren't accurate, like, I don't know, I can't uh, swallow this magic pill and it's going to solve your, your, your issues. But um, yeah, I feel you go, you have to go, you have to jump in, get the information that you feel is most valid, take it with you, compile like your own notes, like do your own research um, and then remove yourself from it because then you take that information and bring it to your healthcare practitioners. You shouldn't have to rely on the people within these communities to get your answers because they aren't doctors. They aren't, uh, going to help you per se. Uh, so being able to understand that, take what you read with a grain of salt 
Um, and always take it back to your healthcare team because they are the ones who will guide you in the, the right direction. That's, that's, uh, that's a really good, um, perspective to have, like you can go and you can start looking at gathering information, but I like that you said, bring it to your, to your provider who, if they don't know specifically that answer, will have, will know where to look to see if there's any like scientific literature or may reach out to other colleagues in the area to be like, Hey, you know, uh, cause this happens all the time. I had a client bring me a newspaper clipping about, you know, this, this uh, Kegel chair where you just mm-hmm. sit down and it does like 10,000 Kegels for you. And she's like, what do you think? And I was like, well, here's what we, you know, here's what I've, what I know about it based on our, you know, clinical forums, right? So we we communicate with each other. We try to fact check. We try to look at the relative, um, like the scientific literature. But we can dispel those, you know, dispel the myths or dispel, you know, um, the beliefs, mm-hmm. right? Because you may have this fact, yeah. and then you might take that as you know, your own personal belief. Well, I can't get better because so-and-so said they never got better and we have the same condition. So that's, you know, that's where I, you know, we have sort of the, that's where I sometimes I have the concern about how much time people spend there. I think you're right. Kind of, you can go in, gather up some information like specialists or like, yes, that is the main is it's getting those doctor's names. I feel like that was probably the most important part because then I could take those doctor's names of specialists within my area that I found and say, Hey, can you look up this doctor, see what, what, uh, hospital they're in. And you start that dialogue and say, Oh, I've heard good things. And they also Sometimes there happened one time to me, the doctor said, oh, this is my second referral to this specialist and I've heard good things. So it's, it's just uh, finding that information and taking it back to the trustworthy doctors who are on your side and want the best for you. Yeah. And, and, you know, I think then it's also important to recognize, you know, if an environment is not being helpful or negative, that it's okay to let it go. You're not going to miss out on information. You can always seek out information from a different source, but like if, if you're somewhere and it's not making you feel good and you're reading stories and you're, and it's not making you feel good. Yeah. Might not be the best place to stay. And that's sort of, well, that is one of the main reasons why I started the happy pelvis is because I wanted it to be a more positive space to get that information on pelvic health out there. And I try to be as accurate as possible, get the right information by the right people. um, So you're not sifting through all of those comments within those Facebook groups. I'm trying to take that extra step away from people um, and they're able to get the, 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 the resources that they need um, to start their journey or find uh, a better path on their journey. Yeah. So, I mean, I was going to ask you about, you know, the happy, you know, the happy pelvis and like, you know, when, when sort of did you start in like what, I mean, you've already sort of alluded to what kind of what you hope people gain from it, but tell us a little bit, tell us a little bit more, like what was, you know, what really prompted you to start it? And, you know, what, what do you post? What, like, what, what are people going to get? Okay. Um, yeah. So 
I started it actually, it was a coping mechanism. I wanted to talk about my journey in a personal way that nobody would really see it. Um, only if you're searching for pelvic health um, things, you'd be able to find it. But um, it sort of snowballed <laughs> into something else because, uh, because I am a graphic designer, I'm unable to work right now. I needed a creative outlet. I'm always itching to create something. And that really gives me a sense of purpose. So I thought, hey, why can't I take this negative topic of that has a stigma to it? And can I openly share my journey in a creative way or in a creative light that is relatable? Because again, those Facebook groups were very negative and I had to pull myself out of them. And I'm like, what would I want to see? What if I was starting on my journey? What would I go on Instagram? Like, who would I connect with? And like, who do I trust information from? And so all these things came to mind. And it started as a blog. And then as like, days went on, I would just write here and there. On good pain days, I'd write a little bit more. Um, I'd get my PT to read a few things to make sure it was all accurate. Um, and it's really grown into something that's giving me a lot of purpose right now, just because I'm unable to work. And I don't, I feel like I don't have, I have a lack of purpose right now. This is really giving me um, strength to share my story, because the more I'm sharing it, I'm, the more feedback I'm getting, like, amazing feedback from people praising me saying how brave I am, which I'm like, I'm not brave. I don't feel brave at all. Mm. But just hearing everybody's stories and hearing that just what I'm sharing is inspiring them. It, it That's why I, I'm still I'm still here. I'm still uh, on the happy pelvis. And just so within I'm pretty much mostly on Instagram. Um, that's because it's more visual. Um, and within my posts, I try to be relatable. So it might be a personal post where I might be going like struggling emotionally and with my mental health, but also educational posts. So I try to get information out there in a fun, creative way using GIFs or illustrations to show the pelvic floor or pelvic health conditions in some way. So that's what I've been doing with the happy pelvis. Um, I'm using it as an outlet right now for creativity. Um, it also was an idea of mine. So when this all started, I really needed to get organized with like my health paperwork and tracking all my symptoms. Um, so I created my own planner. Um, and now I have that available on my site for other people who are suffering from chronic illness or pelvic pain, and they want to get a little bit more organized. So I have like a little shop on there with a few things that I've created. Um, and yeah, I just, I really hope it empowers people to, uh, really take control of their health and be able to shorten their journey so that they can get the answers a lot sooner than I did. Yeah. I think that's amazing that you've taken, you know, things that you've needed to create like that planner, right? Like just trying to track and because the more information that you can kind of collect yourself and like what you interpret from that information, it's really going to help the provider as well. Understand yeah. like your experience. When is it, you know, when is, when are you experiencing it so that we can try to tailor, okay, here's a strategy. When this happens, let's try this. When this happens, let's try. Absolutely. And that's where I felt the most benefit is walking into those appointments 
having a good idea of like where my when my symptoms presented and being able to explain that to the doctor within that 15 minute time slot that you have that very short time. And they're very appreciative of it. And I feel that they, uh, they, they understand that you are struggling. And this is your way of trying to make sense of it all. And I just noticed that they were willing to help a little bit more just knowing that I was able to take that extra step of really tracking what's going on with my body. Do you um, do you keep copies of like medical diagnostics? And like, do you keep a medical file for yourself that you can then take? Like, do you take that yes. with you to different so specialists? A, so I have the planner within a binder. So it's just I call it my medical binder. So it's all it's all organized in there. And then I just have uh, a separator. And then I have all my latest imaging, blood tests, all that for them to see. So everything's pretty concise and organized if they ask for something. Yeah, I, I think that's definitely a great idea that when you're kind of navigating some co uh, complexities, um, and especially with different systems, like if it's oh, urinary yeah. issue or <laughs> autoimmune or this or that, if oh, you have yeah. all of that together, it can really, I don't know, as like most medical files are electronic and it's very sometimes difficult to be able to pull up like two things on a screen and like look at blood work while looking at an MRI result while looking at like mm -hmm. urodynamics. So sometimes you carrying that and having that easily accessible where they, the, you know, the doctor can look at like two, three different things and like actually, I don't know, and, there's something and, about looking at paper yes. versus a screen. And keeping it for the records, like they're like, can I please photocopy this and have it in your record? So it's there's reference to it. And that is really helpful for them to keep track of uh, your your health plan. Yep. And because sometimes I, and I, I can only speak from my perspective is like when I've done an assessment and then I'm like trying to like think about because I try to think about like, OK, where am I going to go? What is the next thing? You know, I then I can go back and I can look and then I can think, you know, my yeah. assessment based on this, based on this. And it just it gives me the a better opportunity to be able to like take the time to like look through all this stuff and try to make some sense of it. Um, mm -hmm. So make it, you know, if you make it easy for the practitioner by having all those things, certainly um, it can speed along the process. Exactly. Yeah. Just a little bit of organization sometimes can go a long way. Absolutely. Um, so you mentioned that this is, you know, running the happy pelvis is like part of your sort of coping. It's giving you a sense of purpose. Um, you know, obviously it seems like it's part of your self-care. I'm just curious as to like what, you know, if you don't mind sharing, of course, um, you know, like what, what are some of your go-to self-care, you know, strategies? Um, so one thing that's really grown on me is a good stretch. So myself, like my self care routine every night is I try to have this routine is I will get on my mat, do a good stretch. Uh, then while I'm stretching, I will have the bath running, getting ready after the stretch, I will get into the bath uh, with Epsom salts, maybe some um, oils. <laughs> and uh, then I put on a meditation and meditation and mindfulness has been something that has really benefited my self care. And um, like I said earlier, pelvic pain really um, is a part of you. It's not it's, 
it's not something you can really disconnect from, but um, mindfulness has really been a tool um, that has really been helping me and putting that in my self-care routine every day has really helped. Awesome. Yeah. Thank you for sharing. I was, you know, curious if you had a couple, you know, what some of the go-to strategies. um... Also, I like zoning out, watching Netflix, like everyone. Um, But yeah, self-care, doing, taking in the effort to really focusing on myself is definitely the bath and stretching and meditation for sure. Awesome. Awesome. I guess the final question I wanted to ask is, you know, you obviously alluded to like your planner, um, obviously you mentioned Instagram, um, but where, where can people find you, follow you? What's your handle? Um, Uh, So they can find me at happypelvis.ca and on Instagram, the dot happy dot pelvis um, as well as at the end of December, um, I actually teamed up with another Canadian on the West Coast. Her name is Lonnie. Um, she's from Vancouver. And this past year, we've come together and collaborated. And we're creating this like ultimate pelvic pain vulvodynia resource guide. So it is full of links to great resources, uh, the Facebook groups, like we were talking about earlier, very helpful resources that have helped us on our journeys. Um, Also, as well as products um, that we are personally trying um, due to our personal sensitivities. We we just really want people to have this resource guide as their, their starting point on their pelvic pain journey and getting them to a good point when they're meeting their doctors, they have a better understanding as to what's going on. Um, but yeah, so that will be out by the end of the year. Um, and also Facebook, I'm not really on Facebook, but, uh, the happy pelvis, uh, is also on Facebook as well. Awesome. Um, and we'll, we'll post, uh, links in the show notes to the Instagram and Facebook and the website. So it'll make it easy for people to just click and click and go. And then with respect to this resource guide that, um, is going to be coming out, we'll like, we'll, I'm assuming you'll probably mention it on Instagram that like, Hey, our resource is out. Um, but will it also be something that's going to be linked on your website? If people are like, keeping an eye out for it, will they be able to access it? Oh, absolutely. Yep. So uh, within the coming weeks, I'll be promoting it on Instagram. So there'll be a link directly um, from my social, as well as directly on my site. So it'll be very easy access for people to find. Excellent. Wonderful. Well, Michelle, you know, I, you know, I do think you're brave. You know, you're (laughs) (laughs) bravery doesn't mean that you don't kind of worry and like stress about sharing your story and like what people are going to think. Right. It's, it's bravery is like stepping forward despite the fear. And so, yeah, I, I definitely think, you. you know, it takes a really big step to share a personal, personal journey and bring it to bring it to the forefront. But I think you're also going to help a lot of people move forward. And I think that'll, Well, and I hope that that's also going to like help you move forward. Right. So it's kind of a plus plus. Um, Yeah, absolutely. No, it's, it's like a domino effect and I'm getting like, I, as much as I feel like I'm giving to people, I feel like I'm getting so much more back and yeah, 
So thank you so much for uh, taking the time to chat with me about my personal pelvic pain and uh, chatting about all of that. Yeah, I think it's important to hear the individual stories and because everybody's story is going to be different. Mm -hmm. um, but again, this hopefully will then foster more connection. So if somebody's listening and is kind of already in this journey or is not really sure, maybe they don't have enough know-how to tell like what's good information or not. Like now they know based on if what we've discussed resonates with them and they feel like, okay, you know what? I'm going to look at her stuff and mm -hmm. I'm going to see what content she's putting out there. And, Oh, okay. You want, I need, maybe I should plan. Maybe I should actually be collecting my medical, you know? So maybe they're going to get that one little thing. That's going to like push the needle forward in their journey. Mm -hmm. um, and that's, you know, that's why I run this podcast is to like also help people hopefully grab that one or two tidbits that like brings their health one step closer to optimization. hundred percent. I'm so happy I connected with you and this is a great chat. Yeah. And funny enough, like super close, like to each other. Yeah, I know. <laughs> it's like Literally. six degrees of separation. It's like maybe like a couple kilometers of like separation. Literally a couple of blocks yeah. actually. Yeah. Yeah. It's super That's funny. Um, but Small yeah, world. thank you so much. And, you know, I'm wishing just all the ease of moving forward with kind of finding some solutions and uh, you know, I'll be following the page and be looking forward to that guide and definitely be pointing people to, um, to connect with you. Awesome. Thank you so much, Madeline. You're welcome. And obviously I want to thank our listeners who yeah. check in every week and uh, you know, I always suggest like, share out these podcasts, encourage, you know, people to, to subscribe and listen, because again, you know, each top, each week is a different topic, but again, you know, one or two tidbits. I mean, maybe there's somebody that, you know, that just isn't ready to talk about it, but because you shared it on your page, they're like, Oh, what's, you know, what's this right. Might move the step, you know, might move them a step forward. So share out the episode, certainly subscribe. So you stay up to date with the latest and greatest episodes. And we say bye for now. Thank you for listening to living a better life podcast. Make sure to subscribe to our show to stay up to date with our latest and greatest episodes. We would also love to hear your comments, suggestions, and reviews. Thanks again until the next episode. Bye for now.